0: Welcome to the False Neutral, episode thirty six take number two <laughs> I am uh, I am Eric Triko unfortunately Garrett could not make the uh, part two of the or the take two of this but uh, we do have Pete with us so
1: Pete yeah we did this last night and we had a really great conversation and I realized as we were wrapping up looking at the call recorder that it had locked up and it locked up six minutes into the recording. So we're doing this all over again. And unfortunately, we're doing it sans Garrett this evening.
0: Yeah. So, which is unfortunate because, um, like, as you said, we we were going on and kind of looked up and like, wow, we're 45 minutes into this. And it was felt like it was 10 minutes, uh, which is always a good sign, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, I, we'll probably have to start recording a backup.
1: Yes. To, to, Quote a uh, line from the film, The American President. We'll just have to learn to live with disappointment.
0: Yes. So. Yes, I think so.
1: But we're here now and, yes. uh, I took copious notes last night. So I think I can bring up everything that Garrett mentioned. Uh, and I, I, we didn't really have much in the way of old business or anything. We kind of jumped right into our subject.
0: Yeah. We, um, yeah, there really wasn't anything old business to uh, to catch up on. We had a, a note from someone in the last day or two on the Facebook uh, page, I think, who's relocating from California to Colorado, uh, but we'll get, but uh, we can, I guess we can touch on that really quick since we, uh, since we have a little, uh, a few minutes, we need to do a little fill here. Uh, where is the false neutral page on Facebook? There it is. And then if we go to messages as we're doing this live without any pre-planning, like, you know, all good shows do. Well, while you're just, looking, I'm, I... ju- I'm just I'm just channeling Jeff Glucker. Yeah, we're going to answer your questions. I haven't sorted any of them. I don't know which ones I'm going to do. <laughs> and
1: um, I want you all to know I'm pausing for a sip. <laughs> just is so this you... the uh,
0: Mystic Mountain Monk coffee.
1: No, no, actually, it's some it's some delicious South African rooibos herbal tea. So, ah, okay. Uh, while you're looking at that, uh, I did want to say that, uh, at two o'clock this morning on Tuesday, as I was finding the 43rd picture that I had to put into last week's podcast post, and I have to go find one, find one that is a press picture that I can reliably feel like I'm permitted to use for all of these different bikes that we talk about. And size them correctly, chop out anything extraneous in the picture in Photoshop, and then load them all up. Uh, that's not going to happen again. <laughs> <laughs> I spent like seven hours between wow. editing, uploading, and then finding all the pictures. So the whole, we're going to talk, a, I'm going to have a, have a picture of every bike that we talk about. Not going to happen anymore. <laughs> uh, <laughs> top five, top ten maybe. So... Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to throttle that back just a little bit. It was kind of a hook to get people who didn't know a lot about bikes since Hooniverse is primarily a car site. We wanted, you know, early on, we said, hey, if you don't know much about bikes, you may not know what we're talking about. You can look at the pictures. I think we've gotten the listeners that we're going to get from Hooniverse. And (laughs) that was that was an ordeal. It it was very cool because I liked all the bikes that we talked about. But yeah, it took a little bit too much time.
0: Mult- multi-day project.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, that which is. And, and if you're new to the show, please do go over to the Hooniverse site and click on the show uh, when you see it and then look through it. Because not only that one, but all the shows that we've done, because Pete does put a lot of time into that and uh, a lot of time and effort into that. And it's it's cool to see, kind of look back on all that stuff. So.
1: Okay. So what is, what is our question for this week? So
0: Ethan Sayeta, S-A-E-T-A. Hopefully I get that right. Love the podcast. Thank you. Uh, I'm moving from the San Francisco Bay area to Colorado and I'm wondering what sorts of considerations experienced riders such as yourselves have regarding relocation of a motor, relocation and motorcycling. I currently have a 2007 Kawasaki EX 500. Solid bike, uh, which is a fairly old design, given that the bike hasn't changed much since Gen 1 in 1987. He's, a, I'm sorry, if I said he's a 2007 EX500. Okay. Um, does it make sense to bring a carbureted bike from sea level up to a significantly higher altitude, or is it a better decision to sell it here and get something new or different up there? There are th- Are there any considerations about motorcycling at altitude that someone who has been riding at sea level wouldn't have thought of. How does motorcycling change across the country? So this question, while not exactly what we had planned, still does tie into uh, bucket list road trips because there's good bucket list road. That could be a good bucket list road trip of, of moving and riding your bike from where you live to where you're going. So just saying that. And and going from the Bay Area to Colorado that's there's some awesome roads, especially if you stay off the highway to go between the two.
1: It, it, so. And there, regardless of where you live, there are some really awesome roads in the Rocky Mountains that oh. everybody should take. Uh quite honestly, I would say do what you do anywhere, which is drill out the caps over your air screws and play with them, and that's probably all you need to do. I can't imagine you would uh, maybe shim your needles. Well, actually, you'd have to drop your needles, wouldn't you? You'd be going leaner. Yeah, you
0: would need to. You would probably need to rejet, jet because he's probably going from well sea level to four or five hundred feet in the Bay Area, depending on where in the Bay Area he lives. Um, and even depending on where in Colorado too, because if you're in w- central to western Colorado, more in the Rockies, you could be at four thousand feet plus. If you're in eastern Colorado, that's still the Great Plains, so you're more at two to three thousand feet. Um, so I guess some of that, some of that matters. Can we assume that he's in the Denver
1: to Colorado Springs area? Well, might as well. Um regardless, this would be a good one for. Regardless of where you are, you're going to be somewhere around three quarters of a mile to a mile in elevation. Yeah. Yeah. And exactly. if you want to take some passes, you're going to be above that. Although mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you could probably go out to a place like, uh, Partzilla or something like that and look at the Kawasaki parts microfiche and find out if they had any high altitude, uh, jetting, you know, standard equipment that was different for bikes that they sold in high altitude locations. Mm-hmm. Uh, they probably didn't, quite honestly, especially. And he's got one problem with those carburetors, and that is they're attached to an EX500. Um, <laughs> See, I never thought it was a bad bike. It, it No, it's not. It's just, in fact, it's it's fairly low-tech, which normally works to your favor. But in this case, it's EPA-jetted really lean to start with, and when you go higher you're going to get less yeah. less oxygen, so
0: I don't know. I would I would say that um, two things. One, if you want to sell that bike, which wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, you're in a great area because that'll sell in about a week on the barf list, which is the Bay Area Riders Forum for those that don't know. It's pretty much, well, I can't say because I, I used to frequent it when I was – had seriously thought about living out in the Bay Area and, and uh, 15 years ago, and then even up to about four or five years ago, I still used to spend some time on that forum, but I haven't a long time. So I don't know how active it is anymore, but I would assume it's still fairly active. Um, and then the other one is find a good Kawasaki forum and see who lives in what area, area of Colorado you're going to, and then just put a, put a question there because they're going to that's probably going to be a better source is people who actually own the bikes and people who live in that area. They could probably better off tell you. That said, that bike at altitude may be not the best only because there's not a ton of power and you're going to be losing forty percent thirty to 40% of your power um, at that altitude.
1: Yeah, I, it would be so much easier to get rid of it and just getting get something with modern fuel injection that's automatically going to sense the air density and adjust it, it, it. That would, that would be what I would do.
0: Yeah. And it also saves you any kind of issues for shipping it, whether that's having a trailer to tow behind, whether that's using something like, um, u ship or what's the one that I use twice for shipping race bikes around when I bought race bikes.
1: Hallbikes.com uh, is a good one
0: forward transportation i can't remember
1: oh uh, yeah yeah F- i know
0: the one you're talking forward, about. Air. Forward, forward air forward air yeah forward air yeah um which didn't go in the air but whatever um uh, but they were were really great to deal with so um so that will not only do you save that cost that's cost that then you could then use to buy a different bike if you sell yours before you move
1: yeah that th- uh, that's what i would do but I'm never one to discourage people from spending their money instead of mine.
0: Right. Exactly. But like an f c
1: 7 is kind of an EX500 brought into the 21st century. If you yep. wanted, or a, even like a 650 Ninja uh, would be a good option. Mm-hmm. That's kind of similar. If you want a more upright riding position, you could go find a EN6 ER6N, which is the naked version of the 650 Ninja Which would be Mm -hmm. an option, and they're fortunately for people who are buying used, they're really good bikes that uh, didn't sell all that well, and they're I think their depreciation has been greater than on the 650 ninjas of the same years. Mm -hmm. And then it all depends on what type of
0: motorcycling you're going to want to do. Being in Colorado, you've got if you want to if you're into sport bike riding, obviously the roads around there are going to be awesome. Um, and if you're interested in doing any kind of trail riding or ADV type of riding, uh, m- all kinds of opportunities in in, Cal- in uh, Colorado, I'm sure Rusty's probably got all kinds of information on that one. Um, the other thing that I will say that I know that you will have to think about about riding in higher altitude is changes in weather um, and probably rapid changes in weather from and, and given that. On a road, you could go up two, 3,000 feet or down two, three, two or 3,000 feet. Um, has a difference in temperature, road conditions. Um, what weather you could be on to, well, be in the Bay Area. He, he knows that you one side of the mountain versus the other. It's huge changes in temperature, uh, or huge changes, whether it could be snowing or sunshine. So, um, those are some other things to think about and consider.
1: And they do have a Rocky Mountain sub on advrider.com. I know Rusty is a member there and, uh, there's, it's very active with people in Colorado, both, uh, off road adventure riding and road riding out there. So that would be another probably the place to ask instead of us <laughs> considering, <laughs> yeah. you know, n- neither one of us is over probably, well, I'm at a thousand feet is my, my location is a thousand feet above sea level. So. Yeah, uh, Detroit is at 650, so
0: not, uh and I haven't ridden at altitude in a long, long time, so.
1: Well, and also something that I didn't mention the other night, because uh, I hadn't seen it, uh got my December issue of Rider Magazine, and in there is uh a letter from yours truly promoting the smack dab ride which is the ride that uh some friends of mine and I founded in 2015 we're going to have our third one this June and uh it's really just been word of mouth on forums up till this point but we finally got some uh coverage just you know I described the ride and what it was all about in rider and over the last 2 days I looked at the uh usage stats for smackdeb 281org which is our website and gee they've kind of spiked quite a bit so evidently some people who have read about it in the magazine have decided to look into it further so that's encouraging cool.
0: that's very encouraging
1: and that brings us to our main subject which is bucket list rides what rides would we want to take at some point that we think yeah someday I'm going to have to do that
0: yep um so Garrett, uh, talked about yesterday. There were two or three that he had said and <clears throat> a couple of them, two of them were really good. One of them good on paper. I'm not sure how well it it would, it would execute. Um, and we talked about that yesterday, but the one that we're not, I'm not sure about, which could be good is he wanted to ride, uh, one of his bucket rides, uh, list rides is to ride across Canada from west to east and. There's some really great stuff in Canada and there's also hundreds and hundreds of kilometers of Great Plains and not a lot. If depending any, on how you do it.
1: If you've driven across North Dakota, that's pretty much Saskatchewan and Manitoba on the main highways going east to west. There's a yes. whole lot of not a whole lot. Yeah. British Columbia or I'm uh, sorry, Vancouver
0: parts of the western part of Saskatchewan. Yes. Then you get east of that and even through into Ontario. Yeah.
1: But but I have to say that if you know that going in, it can be really cool to see some of those really wide open spaces just just to appreciate the scale of it. And I yes. told, I I will try to tell this in a shorter version of the story than I did last night. But, uh, my parents came out to visit me and I convinced them to drive with me from the n- north east corner of Nevada, uh, actually Twin Falls, Idaho area, all the way down to Minden, Nevada, which is south of Carson City, Reno, Tahoe area. And it, there's just nothing in that whole trip. And my dad was like, really, really? Should I do this? Okay. And I was like, no, it, it'll be worth it. It'll be worth it. And about two hours in the trip, he's like, oh, I can't believe we're going to be doing this all day. I've seen what there is to see. There's no point in doing this. It's just going to be repetitive from here on out. And I said, yeah, but it it really does make a difference when you do the whole trip. And he said, yeah, whatever. When we finally got there, he said, wow, I'm really glad I did that. You really can't get a feel for exactly how big this state is and how empty it is and just the awe that you feel about the scale of it when you appreciate it. You cannot appreciate that until you've actually done it yourself, no matter how familiar you are with the area and how much someone can tell you about it and how much you can compute the mileage. Until you do it, you really don't have that True appreciation of it. And I think the same thing would be true about going across Canada.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know some people who are from the BC, Vancouver, uh, Vancouver area, and they come out east to Ontario to race motorcycles. And it's a long drive, they say. (laughs) And then just leave it at that. Um, They usually bring the stuff out, leave it in Ontario, and then store it someplace and then fly back. But
1: now I, I will say that at both the western and eastern ends of Canada are some fantastic places I would love to go. Uh, Nova Scotia and, uh, Quebec, Quebec are on my bucket list. My wife and I were up there earlier this fall touring around and spent a lot of time on these gorgeous, twisty, rural, uncrowded highways. Through spectacular scenery, and we were stuck with 60 of our closest friends on a lumbering tour bus. <laughs> <And> my <laughs> wife just kept looking at me going, we really should be riding this right now. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, um, one of the, uh, YouTube vloggers I, I watch is up in, in around Montreal and doing stuff around there and really pretty where they're staying. But anyways, um, one of the other rides that Garrett talked about was, was another one, which is a big, would be a big, uh, big take, take on. And he even said, it's like, he can see how many people want to do it. They get about three, 400 miles in. And then like, what have I gotten myself into? And that was the trans America, um, route, which I think, what do you say? Like 85% of it is not on paved roads or something like that.
1: Right. Right. You, you, you probably need to have something that's a street legal dual sport. Cause there are, Sections that connect on public road, but pretty much all of it is, uh, something you, you need to have a real dirt bike for that you're going to be off road in some interesting terrain. And, uh, I know on ADV rider, there's a lot of, uh, guys that do a section of it. I don't know too many people that have started out at one end and without interruption have gone the whole thing cuz it's a it's a big mouthful to bite off. Yeah, and and I think I've seen some stuff where some of those
0: trails are barely trails too. Um,
1: and Garrett it's, Garrett was saying that the weather is also crucial. Yes. You you have to plan well in advance about when you're going to do a particular section and then watch the weather very closely as you do it.
0: Mhm. Yes. And then I'm trying to think there was a was the third one something from was this was the third one? Like, well, the other one just was just just doing down the Pacific Coast.
1: No, uh, oh yeah, he said Highway One slash One O One down the coast was one that he wanted to do. Uh, you know, go from because he's up in in just north West, of Western Washington, and yeah, uh, go from there all the way down to uh San Diego as far as you could on the on Highway One. Yeah. Uh, which every th- all the video I've seen of that is amazingly beautiful, but I've also been told that nowadays there's just so much traffic on it that you never get that opportunity to just relax. I mean, you know, uh, last weekend Sarah and I went down to the Ozarks and just got off on some little twisty, beautifully paved, well-maintained county roads and didn't see another car. And that to me is when riding is the best. When you're not worried about you know, is there somebody behind me? Am I going to run into somebody that's going to slow me up ahead of me? And you can just relax and take off and it's just you and the road without any traffic. I don't think there's anywhere on the coast that you're really going to have that.
0: I Possibly from from wherever he is down to like the kind of Sonoma, Sonoma County area, you're probably good. And then south of San Jose down to Monterey, around a little south of Monterey and then down to about Santa Barbara. But south of Santa Barbara, you start to get into the LA, San Diego Metroplex. And yes, I, it's horrible traffic once you get there. It's just... (laughs) If you go at 3 a.m., it's great. Other than
1: that. (laughs) Another one that if you really don't want to worry about traffic is the uh, Alcan Highway or Alaska Highway, Yukon Highway. Which is one of yours, which is kind of one of yours, right? That's one that I mentioned uh, from Dawson Creek, British Columbia up to Fairbanks, Alaska. Uh, That's another one that is a it's it's a true adventure. You you don't necessarily have to have an off road bike. I know a lot of road bikes have made it. I know a lot of passenger cars that make it. They usually just, you know, stretch some, uh, rock deflecting, uh, stuff in front of the, front of the headlights and the radiator and, and you can make it, but you have to be very careful about, you know, managing your fuel and making sure you know how to contact people if you break down. And there's a lot of, uh, places where the shoulders will wash out and it'll be gravel turning to mud, but it is a real road all the way up there. But mm-hmm. I think that's, that's probably one that is ideal for something like uh, a BMW GS or something like that, where you, yeah. you've got a big, huge gas tank that's going to take you a long way and everything is well tucked in because you're probably going to at least have some low speed get offs and you want something that, isn't going to get terribly damaged if, if it falls over.
0: Right. Yeah. Um, I remember the other one Garrett had talked about was, uh, he had a friend from Australia and he was talking about doing, trying to do something in Australia, but that was one where you sort of need to coordinate with people. You really know in an area.
1: Yeah. I I do have a, uh, an work associate that, uh, one of our distributors from work that I deal with who is in Auckland, New Zealand, and his comment was, if you're going to go see anything on a motorcycle, don't go to Australia. You can see what you want to see in Australia just as easily from, you know, a motor coach. Okay. New Zealand is where you need to go on a motorcycle because there are yeah. so many beautiful, rugged roads out there that would be stressful to drive around in a big vehicle, but a bike's just perfect for it.
0: And that was, and, and that goes into what was like number, what has been number one on my bucket list for 20 years now. And that's to do the, the Edelweiss two or three week tour down there. Um, but it's very expensive. Uh, I think we just, I think it was something around $8,000 for the, uh, for the two week one. And then in like another four or 5,000, if you wanted to stretch it to the three week one, um, just because of, Well, the story behind it goes that 20 years ago, I was out of college working at a job. It was kind of like, and I was spent a lot of time on the phone telemarketing because I was a financial advisor trying to get new clients. And I had an Edelweiss catalog and sort of keep me motivated as I was dialing and getting rejected all day, um, was to look at pictures of New Zealand in the Edelweiss catalog and just the varied, um, topography that everyone then got to see it in Lord of the Rings and, and stuff after that. Um, just it's beautiful, and then since then I've met people who've actually, you know, from there or spent time down there, and it's everything they say it is. So it's it's a bucket list because it's so expensive. You're probably you're going to be lucky to get to do it,
1: you know. I I subscribed Rider magazine, and the their ad section in the back is really dangerous. Their little you know <laughs> advertisers mall because they always have advertisements for you know, uh. Portugal and Spain is one ever since mm-hmm. we talked to uh cage on two wheels, especially I've, yes. I've wanted to do that. Uh, uh, Tuscany. I'd love to go back, you know, f- uh, Sardinia, Tuscany, places like that. Uh, we were there not on bikes, but on a, on a cruise and went through there and I have a, my best friend's family, his dad, uh, immigrated from there. So he's got family back there and they go back there all the time. And I, that's, I would love to go back to Tuscany and, and do that on a bike. And we have friends of ours who are missionaries that are in, uh, uh, Croatia. They're in hmm. Zagreb. And I didn't know much about Croatia un except that it was a war torn country. But now, I mean, it, it, it is uh, nature wise appearance. It's a gorgeous country. And now I, I would love to go just tour around there because, you know, split and up in the coast is just spectacular. Yeah. So, uh, and, and they are Croatians that they're like, Hey, come, you're welcome. From what I can gather, Croatians are about the most hospitable people. If you want to come to their country. No. <laughs> That's cool. That's good.
0: Well, they, they probably want the tourism money, right? <laughs> Can't hurt. Um, is Now, I'm trying to think, Croatia was, was that, wow, I'm, I'm usually like a history junkie and Cold War era junkie especially, but Croatia was part of something else that broke was, up. was part of U- Yugoslavia. And
1: Yugoslavia, And when, and right. when they yeah, had yeah, yeah. the the war that was in Sarajevo and all that, that was all part yeah. of that. Yeah, Bosnia-Herzegovina. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Yep. Okay. I knew there was, I knew that was in there somewhere and I was just trying to place it in my head. So, uh,
1: one that I brought up last night that talking w- when we we're, I'm kind of doing this out of order tonight, but when we we're talking about the trans Canada, uh, if you want to see central Canada, there is one that is from Winnipeg up to Lynn Lake, which is 675 miles north of Winnipeg. On, uh, little two lane highways that go up. And that's another one where you really have to have, uh, <laughs> some very good fuel planning. Cause there are long stretches that if you're going to try and do it on a Sportster tank, good luck, buddy. You're going to have to have a backpack full of those uh, Malcolm Smith fuel bottles. Yeah. Is that, is that one where you go, you're doing
0: one of those trips, you rent a satellite phone.
1: <laughs> yeah. You'd have to have one of the, one of the spot come get me pagers you know the satellite pagers that say i'm okay or the other button is oh crap come get me yeah 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 um
0: yeah that, that's uh, when do we when i pulled up that map last night and i saw how far north it was it was like wow that's uh we say it was parallel to fort mcmurray over in alberta um so it's it's way north and, and unfortunately north. when
1: you get there the only option you have is to turn around turn and turn around and go back <laughs> <laughs> either that it's or like arra- that. arrange you know some kind of big uh float plane that you can put your bike in to to bring you back.
0: No, i said you get extra, you get like ten thousand extra bonus points in the iron butt rally for getting that picture <laughs> <laughs> or does that put you too far out of uh too far out of the race
1: yeah i don't know well you you figure it's about Twelve thirteen hundred miles round trip, just to get a picture, so
0: well, so for an iron butt person, that's what nine hours <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, oh, a, those, a lot of those guys are crazy, yeah uh, now, there are also some that are not necessarily epic trips, but they are roads that are legendary sections of road that i would like to do one of them Mm -hmm. is the stelvio pass yes that i would love to do that now that's another one where i've told when you do it you're going to have a whole line of motorhomes in front of and behind you don't think you're going to be able to be mike halewood going up and down through the curves because there's just a a long if it's anything close to tourist season you're just going to have a long string of cars going up and down there uh, another one that is actually two other ones that are probably as dramatic in the number of switchbacks they have. Uh, the Trollstigen, I believe, is how it's I'm using the phonetic pronunciation. I don't know if that's correct. In Norway is another one of those mountain roads that's just back and forth and back and forth with with 180 degree hairpin at either end of it all the way down the mountain. And that actually has some other cool sections of road attached to the ascent or descent depending on which way you go that would be cool and norway in general is i think would be a very cool place to go ride i so that was was that the one that you posted the picture of that was like up that went up the mountain or was that
0: the was that the tour de france one you, uh, you uh, no, that the
1: about? one i sent you the picture of was uh maven uh, which, okay. Which is in France, which is, I did not know about until this year's Tour de France. My wife and I are both big. Uh, we pretty much lose the month of July to the Tour de France and they always have these epic HD shots from the helicopters of gorgeous places that make me want to ride all over France, uh, but especially the, the Alps and the Pyrenees and, uh, Mauvigny or Ventier. <laughs> is, is really, truly spectacular. And I'll, instead of doing bikes this week, I guess I'm going to have to put in some pictures or some maps of the roads we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, so those are, those are a couple places that I would don't necessarily want to ride all the way there, but I would like to instantly materialize on one end of the road, ride it, and then be able to, you know, have Scotty beam me up at the other end of it. <laughs> Although I have to say, the Italian Alps just look like there's so much spectacular riding up there that you could lose yourself for quite a long time. Well,
0: and in some ways, that goes back to where I was talking about with uh, New Zealand. Like where one of those Edelweiss place uh, trips might make sense in that you you fly in, they have a bike for you, they haul all your luggage for you, they book all your hotels for you. Um, like, you, you may be your own, you're, you're responsible for your own lunch. Other than that, everything else is taken care of. You just gotta ride and enjoy. Um,
1: yeah. And we also, we also, we talked about some, some race tracks, some road mm-hmm. courses that we would like to not necessarily race at speed, but be able to say that you've driven, uh, the, the mountain course, the Snuffell mountain course on the Isle of Man. Yep. Where the TTs run. Um, uh, the nürburgring is one that uh garrett brought up last night which would be very cool and that's cool because those are public roads that you can drive uh you mentioned spa yep um uh
0: historically just such a cool track um uh, that's more though where where nürburgring uh actually it's a private it's a private track but they have it part of their revenue is that you pay 20 euros and you do a lap kind of thing so but and you don't you're supposed to go at some kind of reasonable speed but there's tour buses that go on it so right. i mean there's everything up at, at, at any kind of speed where where spa you'd more have to do at least some i would think you'd have to do some kind of track day i think but anyways um
1: now where is where is le mans le mans held le mans I mean, that, that's northern on, northern that, that's on public roads
0: isn't it part of it uh part of it is uh is is uh, dedicated racetrack, and then part of it is the roads around the okay. town. Okay. Okay. Yes. So you can drive. I think you can drive two thirds of that track if you know how to piece it together, mm-hmm. uh, and then the rest of it is sort of the actual, you know, actual race course itself, or the official or non-public road course. <laughs> I don't know how what what's the best way to phrase that.
1: Uh one one that I was gonna bring up last night, just about the time that I looked down and saw that I wasn't getting any levels on my call recording software, was uh the Atacama Desert. If we wanna go we we were we were talking about the Trans America Trail mm-hmm. and uh I have through work, our Chilean distributor is a big four by four fan and he's got a built I want to say uh Suzuki Vitara or one of the smaller four-wheel drives but it's you know it's got a turbo V8 in it and everything else and uh some of the biggest dunes in the world are in the Atacama Desert in Chile and hmm. there are places there that they get recorded rainfall once every 100 years and if, if go out on the internet and just google Uh, raid, R-A-I-D, raid Atacama and watch some of these videos because these are dunes, the size of hundred story buildings that these are guys are going up the side and they're just pinning the throttles on these four by fours going up the sides of these things. And they just keep getting steeper and steeper and steeper as they go up. And you see a lot of four by fours and you see a lot of quad bikes. You don't see a lot of motorcycles just because the sand is so deep, but the ones that you do see have got the really wide, uh, paddle tires on the back and the, and the slick front tire with the ridge in the center. So you can Mm -hmm. manage it. I would love to do that. That would be something that, well, I, the 25 year old me would love to do that. Yeah. That would be,
0: now do they run part
1: of the, the modern Dakar rally through that area? I don't know if they have. I know they do a 24 hour race and a 48 hour race there. Hmm. But, but I think both of those are kind of like trials in that there are special sections. You know, you drive to one and then it's up this dune or between these two points. It's not just an all out race for that amount of time. Gotcha.
0: Yeah, I, and I I don't know how much they vary the course between in Chile and Argentina for the for the for the Dakar Rally since it moved out of Africa. So Since
1: it's nowhere near Dakar anymore.
0: Right, exactly. Well, because it started out where s-
1: where it was uh Paris-Dakar Paris. and it was Paris
0: yeah, down through down to uh down through Spain across uh Gibraltar into
1: Morocco and
0: then from Morocco around but
1: it's and 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 at Gibraltar, s- that is one heck of a water hazard. Those yeah. guys got to get some real speed for that.
0: Yes, that's a, <laughs> it's a long jump between the and then going through the Atlas Mountains there. Um, but I think it's been six or seven years now. I want to say it was '08. Was the last year that it ran in? Uh, yeah, but they had started.
1: Th- they had started. Altering the course between different starting and ending points yes. long before that. Oh yes, yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: But I'm saying, but most of the course was in Africa, and then just for political reasons, uh, well, terrorism reasons, really. Uh, they moved it out of Africa, but and I think that was 08. I think I'd have to look, but it yeah. rings a bell. But that was always one of those ones, like you, like that would be. You watch Charlie Borman trying to do it on a on a KTM, and you realize. Yeah, I mean, he's actually a pretty decent writer and he got his ass handed to him with factory backing.
1: So, uh, ex, uh, employer of mine and a, and a good friend's dad actually did to twice in South wow. America. And, uh, I don't think he finished. I think he had a mechanical breakdown one year and the next year he, Bailed and broke a bunch, bone, a bunch of bones, and ended up just hanging out by the bike for overnight or thirty-six hours or something like that before anybody came and got him. And uh, un- unfortunately, he uh, he had a scuba diving accident and is no longer with us. So, Ooh. but he was he was a hard man. He was he was not somebody that I would ever say I could do the things that he did because he was he was one heck of a rider. Yeah.
0: Um I'm just trying to think oh i I know I had one other one that i've I've thought about doing, which is actually somewhat feasible, and that is to do for my bucket list ride is to ride the Pony Express trail because it is a still federally marked i for like high trail I guess is the right word for it um and I think you pick it up somewhere around St Louis or outside of St Louis and you ride west and then you get to utah when you get to utah you can break off to go to colorado or california or oregon and washington i think is the other direction you go um but and and because there's towns around it you could ride it and theoretically you don't have to you you i'm sure you'd have to camp out in the deserts of some some places but um probably towns within an hour of the trail so um but it's cool just from a historic standpoint and then also there's old stations there and, you know, markers and stuff like that, which I thought would be kind of cool Um just as some place in the U S to, to do rather than going to the four corners of the earth, which isn't also, which also is a
1: brilliant idea as well. So, uh, was there any, I'm trying to think if there's anything else we brought up last night. Oh, uh, land's end to John oh, yes. O'Groats. John O'Groats, yes. From the... And what was it,
0: 874 miles, was it?
1: Or yeah, was it? yeah. It was, it was, it's always more than I think it's going to be. I mean, it, it it's a pretty good haul. And yeah. uh, I learned about it because I think the Triumph BSA group did that as a promotional stunt uh, with both motorcycles at one point and then later on... I want to say late 50s, early 60s, whenever they came out with the Tina scooter, they did it on the BSA and Triumph uh, scooters and made the run on them, you know, to demonstrate their reliability. So I, I've always known about that, and I thought that was cool. And people do it all kinds of ways. They What well, we were saying last night, horse, uh public transport, going from bus to bus route and making it up there. Uh, I can't imagine walking it, but I know people have done it. Yeah, it was
0: walking, running, bicycling, horse, public transport, swimming, paraglide. <laughs> uh, parag- paraglide, yeah. So, yeah, that was, that was crazy. It was a whole thing on the wiki page about it, which was,
1: it yeah. was interesting. So go to Wikipedia and and type in Land's End to John O. Grotes. Groats. G R O A T S, I believe. I believe that's correct. Yes. Uh, and of course, smack dab. I think that's one that everybody should do from the from the it's kind of like that, you know, point to points, points of significance. That's kind of how I came up with the idea is the center of the 48 lower states to the center of North America. And they have very similar monuments in those two locations. And it's a part of the country that most people don't think of as a touring destination. So, uh Doing that in a day, 675 miles, which ironically is the same as the distance from Winnipeg to Lynn Lake, but hmm. not as many concerns with, uh, gravel roads and no gas stations. Although we had, a, yeah. we had a bit of a scare in the, when we did it in, uh, 2015 up in North Dakota, we were getting lower than we were comfortable. We were just a little bit over a, a tank away from our destination and got gas. And then when we were getting close, we're like, Oh, we're, we're getting pretty close. So fortunately we found a gas station, but spiders, we get, what's the range on one of those? Um, realistically 130 miles on a tank. Mm. So I, I think it's actually like 150, but you don't have reserve. And all you have is, you know, nine little ticks on a gas gauge. So it, we tend to be conservative, but the, we passed a couple gas stations that we should have filled up on thinking, oh we won't have any problem and got a little nervous toward the end. But fortunately we, we didn't have a problem.
0: That's actually less than I thought it would be for that machine.
1: Yeah. It's about a, I want to say like a five gallon tank, but four and a half gallon tank. Hmm. I think it's four and a half gallons, but there's there's some there's some slush in there you can't necessarily count on as being usable. Gotcha. And, of course, they have the frontal area of a car with the aerodynamic efficiency of a motorcycle, which is the worst of both worlds. <laughs> yeah, so you're, what, 30 miles to the gallon? Uh, Sarah gets about 30 in the RT. Mine gets a little bit better. I'm usually 33, 34, something like that. Just because i i don't have as big a barn door in front of me
0: but makes for a comfortable comfortable mount to do that in so
1: and and uh if you're listening and we haven't mentioned one that you would like to do uh go to Hooniverse, let us know and maybe we'll revisit this yep. at some point and share some more ideas of bucket list oh i will tell you one that is not a motorcycle trip but it is motorcycle related one thing that's on my bucket list is to get down to uh Birmingham and go see the Barber Museum and yes. I would as I said last night, I would be very content to fly down and rent a Prius to get there. That doesn't have <laughs> to be a motorcycle trip, but it would be a a great motorcycle experience to actually see that and if yeah. I could do it during the vintage festival, that would be all the better
0: mm-hmm. although you know in, in other ways it might be Like the day after the festival or the day or two after it, when everyone's gone, where you actually could kind of walk around, it's probably not as busy and you have time to look at everything or, you know, more time. to.
1: My wife and I were actually looking at going to the Isle of Man for vacation a number of years ago, probably, I'm going to guess 10, 12 years ago, and it didn't happen, but we'd looked into it and we decided we really wanted to go when there was not the Grand Prix, when there was not the TT, when there was not the cart races, when there wasn't the Southern 200, when they weren't doing any of the big events so that we would be able to get a reasonable hotel room, actually be able to ride the horse-drawn trams and the steam trains and, you know, not have a crush of people around us when we were trying to go see the sights. And that I think it worked out like the first week in August is like the one little lull they have during the tourist season when everything's open, but they don't have any big events drawing people. Ah. Yeah. yeah couldn't be bad.
0: It's a good time to get away. So um, that's probably a good place to wrap this up, right? We're about uh, 50 minutes or 45 minutes in the show. So yep, yep. Uh, probably a good stopping point. Uh, so, um, uh, like, as Pete said, make sure that, uh, if you come up with an idea or you got ideas for a bucket list or you have your own bucket list ideas, make sure that you do, uh, post them up on, on Hooniverse and on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com, uh, the, the, false neutral. And don't forget our Twitter page, uh, also at the false neutral there as well. And check out all of our other Huniverse podcast friends, DFL show, the Huniverse show, And of course, Camden Tubb, which you were on recording last night.
1: Yes. Yeah. It was Brad and I was filling in, uh, uh, Cam was, was, Cam at the baseball game. He was watching his Indians not clinch it last night. And actually game seven's going on right now. So I'm going to go check the game. Yeah. Okay. Well thanks again and next time hopefully Garrett will be here with us and uh, we're working on a couple of guests. It has been a while since we've had any guests on. We have some really important people that I'd like to get on but we have to wait for their schedule and we have some other people that uh, I just have been uh, lazy about getting back to and nailing down a date. So hopefully soon. Okay Eric take it easy and we will see everybody next week.